Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's showtime! What's going on, people? Welcome to the Dear Pat Station Podcast in association with RayRoute.com and the Dean Blundell Network over at DeanBlundell.com live on last night. A lot of y'all know I got that new job that comes with new responsibilities, so it's going to be a little bit iffy, but we're here tonight. And we brought a guest, that people smasher himself, Len Mario from Hashtag Sports. Let's get this show started in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's going on, gentlemen? I'm rocking out, man. I like the new uh, intro music. Let me be honest. Let, like, let's just be honest with the audience for a second, shall we? Are you guys ever surprised by the total lack of energy I come in to before air to the amount of energy I can put out when we go on air? Because um, I'm always usually impressed with myself how I can just turn it on. Like, I just I just light up for the mic. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked some days. Some people are just, you know, you know, I talk about game speed versus track speed. You just have game speed. So it's just game speed. I like it. I think that is like I think that is a huge compliment. (laughs) I have just one speed. (laughs) Tortoise. (laughs) Tortoise. I just love that Mario comes on our show and just like chops us down at the knees. <laughs> hey, you can't, you gonna come introduce me as table jumper? <laughs> I called you a table smasher today, not the table jumper. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. All right, three subjects I want to talk about today. We're gonna talk a little bit about Kendrick Bourne. Um, Mike has floated out before that he could see Kendrick Bourne being used in more of a Debo Samuel role, and uh, saw a stat today that or a grade today a pff grade i know that we're cautious on those but a pff grade that caught my attention that i thought hey perfect time to give i don't usually give mike the time of day to like continue on with his thought about that so it's a good thing to talk about Uh, i want to talk a little bit about stefan diggs i know we've talked about this during season like where he ranks amongst quarterbacks he was the or uh, wide receivers i apologize he was the fifth highest wide receiver in the league i think that he's better than top five to be honest with you and i want to get that discussion and then uh yeah, Tom Brady's uh, being a hypocrite again, so we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But let's get into this. So PFF put this out today, said wide receivers with the highest rushing grade last season. Debo Samuel came in first with 85.3. Don't think that'll surprise anybody, but coming in at number two is Kendrick Bourne at 76.3. Mike, this is your time to shine because you have been floating this out for weeks now, and we've never really got deep into the discussion, yep. but I figured... With this coming out today, this is the perfect time to turn it over to you. So before I even get my opinion in, I'm going to turn it to you and just and, and let you go. Sure. I mean, we watched uh, Kendrick Bourne with the ball in his hands uh, last year, and we had glimpses and flashes of something that, you know, I think most people would agree was, you know, downright electric. You know, Kendrick Bourne just looked awesome, you know, pushing for extra yards. Uh, you know, they would use him on the jet sweeps. He would be great and, you know. 
I would say, uh, you know, making some contested catches that were really impressive. Um, you know, and that's where I, I, when I mentioned it before, the Debo Samuel light, you know, kind of came to mind because again, Kendrick Bourne just seems like a guy when you give him the chance, he's going to make the most of it. Very impressive. So what I want to throw to you right now before we get to Mario is uh, this was the first comment before we went live from Patrick Pelio, obviously going by the title. Sure. He says he's not uh, he's not the same. There's literally no comparison, which I haven't seen either, which is probably why we haven't got deep into the conversation because I probably just didn't want to get into this big, massive argument. However, you've been just shoving this down my throat for so long that this 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 grade or this tweet today was like, all right, we got to talk about it. Like, let's have the discussion, and then then we'll let Mario talk. But sure. where do you, like? I know you talked about the electric, but where do you see the comparison? Because I'm kind of—I'll be honest with you—I'm kind of leaning on Patrick's side, where I'm like, I don't see it either. I mean, so I don't think he's as explosive out of the backfield necessarily. If you're looking for that that comparison, I'm not looking at him, you know, to be like a hybrid role. Again, I think he's that a receiver. Even if you give him like a short pass, maybe two yard, you know, two yards uh, in front of the line of scrimmage, it seems like he's gonna, you know, always do something again with the ball in his hands, make the most out of the yard yardage you give him. Kind of almost what I think they planned for Johnny Smith to do, you know, uh, get him get him the ball in short spaces and really just, uh, you know, let him work once he has it. And I, I'm surprised by this because again. I, I, to me, I can remember at least four times last year, again, when Kendrick Bourne got the ball in his hands, he went for touchdowns and I, I just didn't, didn't even expect it, you know? So I, I see it. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we'll get Mario in here as, as, you know, the arbiter and kind of break the tie. Okay. So let's, let's get some, to, uh, Let's let's get to Mario. Mario, I, I we all know I didn't give you really any prep time for this today. I was just, you know, I have a new job and it's just it's hard to do a lot of stuff. I've had to I've reduced I've reduced my amount of of content I'm putting out. But you see the title, you start doing yeah. your homework. Thoughts? Well, I I think that PFF has it a little bit misconstrued you talk about Kendrick Bourne having the second highest wide receiver rushing grade I think that he has the number one wide receiver rushing grade because I don't see Debo Samuel as a wide out he may be that by title I mean we talked about it, it was there was a big stink made about it a long time ago with Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham was going to get tagged but then they were talking about how many times he was split uh, the one year for the Saints you know he actually was a wide receiver he wasn't a tight end he was a tight end by title so when they tagged him they were saying hey listen you know, you're a tight end, so this is what the tight ends make for the, for the franchise tag. He's like, no, no, I play wide out wide 80% of the time. If you want to talk about Debo Samuel, which is one of the way, things that he was getting pushed to try to leave, was that they were turning him, to, turning him into a running back. Like, I mean, it's easy to make that argument because the guy had more rushing touchdowns than receiving touchdowns last year. If you look at those guys side by side, now if it's just purely on the field, the things you want to do on the field, Kendrick Bourne can do the, the similar things that Debo in very short bursts. He could do very similar things, you know, talk about play recognition, certain things like that. He doesn't have the explosive speed that uh, that Debo has. But if you, I look, I really quick before the show, I looked up their combine statistics. I love going back to that. Now, if you look at Debo, Christian McCaffrey, and Kendrick Bourne, 
If you looked at their their uh, their three cone drill, obviously changing direction stuff like that. That's things you really want to know if they could play the same positions in that respect. Uh, as far as those certain gadget plays that you want Debo, Kendrick Bourne to do that Debo Samuel does. Samuel's actually third on that list. If you if you take into account those three guys and Kendrick Bourne's three cone was actually closer to McCaffrey. Now, if you guys don't know the three cone, it's about change of direction and certain things he can do. Even though he didn't have a good long speed and 40 time, he is more of a change of direction guy. So I could definitely see more things that, that the Patriots could do with Bourne in the slot, you know, more of those Debo Samuel type plays. However, I don't even compare Debo Samuel to being a wide out because he has so much more running back in him than he does wide receiver. So I will point out to the Patriot fans out there as well, since Mario brought it up, because I did not look at the combine stats. Uh, we hear that Bill Belichick's favorite drill and most important drill at the combine is the three cone drill. That's mm -hmm. the one that he loves the most. So that, that makes me feel good. So I guess when we're looking at a comparison, and I mean, I'm trying to think of, uh, okay, so I'm going to do it this way. Would you say it's 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 more fair to compare Kendrick Bourne to like a Julian Edelman and compare, and I'm just throwing a, a random slot receiver out there, and then compare Debo Samuel to more of like a Cordero Patterson, where like, because Patterson is now listed as a running back. He used to be listed as a wide receiver. He's now listed mm -hmm. exclusively as a running back. Uh, is that is that is that sort of what you're saying here? Like, if we're just looking yeah. at that comparison piece, and, and due to due to how the market's been, you know, you talk about this. This is just as a business as it is entertainment. Debo saw that coming. Debo's seen that coming. He's seen that the de-evolution basically of the running back position, where if he gets tagged now, you know, he is technically a wide receiver. However, if he gets tagged as a running back, that's not good for him financially. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's funny. I was thinking about that from the Cordero Patterson standpoint. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, well, no one's going to tag Cordero Patterson. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not no matter how much Atlanta likes him. They're <laughs> not going to they're not going to put a, a franchise tag on Patterson. But I didn't even think of it the other way around because I just, you know, I've considered Debo Samuel a wide receiver, you know, yeah. but, you, you know, it. You're right. He's taking direct snaps from the back. So let, let's shift gears a little bit because I want to talk something similar. Let's look at Tyree Kill out in Miami because yes. Mike McDaniel, the head new head coach of Miami, former offensive coordinator of San Francisco. I have my questions. I don't want to say doubts, but questions around McDaniel. How much is he an offensive genius compared to how much did he just sit on on Kyle Shanahan's coaching staff and get the credit, you know, because Shanahan, you know, sometimes like like Belichick, like he has to have a defensive coordinator, but you know, he's the de facto at the end of the day. It's going to be his defensive game plan. It's going to be his thing. Somebody just somebody just calls the plays, right? Like, but yeah. he he his fingerprints are all over it. I see Kyle Shanahan on the offensive side of things. Yeah, he, you know, he his fingers are all over all over that playbook. Uh, but McDaniels come out and said he wants to to use Tyree Kill, uh, similar to how they use Debo Samuel. Now I don't have their 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 measurements in front of them, but I believe that Debo is much larger than Tyreek. Correct? Um, uh, from okay. a weight standpoint, I mean everybody's taller than Hill, <laughs> but that's a lot of punishment to be coming out of the backfield. Right, especially yeah. for a guy like Tyree Kill, who's sort of an aging wide receiver, who clearly, I mean, Kansas City thought he's great, but we can afford to let him go, you know, like because yeah. 
Veach has been, you know, Veach has been pretty good, almost like Bean, like money doesn't matter. We can, you know, we can figure out salary cap type of thing, right? And I think that New Orleans, Buffalo, Kansas City, like they have proven that the, the salary cap is a bit of a myth in one sense. But do you think they could successfully use Tyreek Hill? And now you're not taking a rookie and turning him into that. Do you think Tyreek Hill would buy into playing like a Debo Samuel? You know what? And to go back to your um, to go back to your uh, question, uh, Debo Samuel has uh, close to about twenty pounds on Tyreek Hill. So that being a concern, I mean, we've seen we've seen Christian McCaffrey take some dings up in the backfield, and he he has he even has weight on Tyreek Hill. So uh, I don't think you need to look further than one of the previous episodes you've had on this show, Ray. I mean, I think I mentioned that to both of you guys saying that McDaniel will probably try to use Hill in, in, in a Debo Samuel type role to try to loosen up things for Tua and a lot of those other weapons that they have in the backfield or, or, or around the, uh, around the offense. So I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not shocked at that, that he tried to use him in a Debo Samuel role for sparingly things here and there, because they do have running backs there. Now they just picked up Sony Michelle. So um, in that respect, I don't know. Maybe maybe he initially made that meeting and, and talked to Tyreek Hill and said, "Hey, I want to use you a lot, like we used Debo last year." And Hill probably was like, Mm-mm, "No, <laughs> no, I want my career to extend a little bit further," and and be like, "Okay, you know, the, the, that could have been it." And just to go on your previous point, we we're talking about Cordero Patterson, you know, now being classified as a running back, he is at a different end of his career than than Debo, Tyreek, and any of these other guys because he's actually on his fifth team at age thirty one. So he's probably just happy to still be in the league. Say, hey, you can call me whatever you want. If you're gonna, if you're gonna tag me. If you're gonna sign me, whatever. I don't care. I'm 31 years old. I'm, I'm just lucky to have a job at this point. So that being said, I think he probably talked to Tyree Kill. McDaniel probably talked to Tyree Kill and said, hey, listen, I want to do some of these things like we do with Samuel. And looking at how the beating that Samuel took in that game against the Rams, oh my God, uh, I, I would not be one that would want to sign up for that, especially at 28 as Hill is. So just uh, for the actual numbers, uh, producer Mike pulled these up for us. Debo Samuel is six foot two fifteen. Tyree Kill is 5'10", 185. Oh, Interesting a lot enough. <laughs> Jalen Waddle is identical to Hill. So you got two five foot ten, 185 pounders over in Miami. Uh, I, I am gonna move on here though. I love Stephon Diggs. I hate that he's a Buffalo Bill, but I love Stephon Diggs. You probably love that Stephon Diggs is a Buffalo Bill, I would assume, being a Buffalo Bills fan and Buffalo Bills content creator. Uh, I'm going to be careful how I go about this because I offended some Buffalo fans uh, a couple weeks ago, and I didn't mean to, but I made the direct line comparison of we were talking about Josh or Josh uh, Josh Allen and um, Patrick Mahomes and basically I was like you know we haven't really seen Josh Allen elevate players like we saw guys like Stefan Diggs come in and was Dawson Knox elevated because of Allen or was Dawson Knox elevated because of Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs you know what I mean like that that type of thing um, and then someone came and said it's not you know it's not really fair like who is who is basically said who's Patrick Mahomes elevated he, he he inherited Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill the only the only comparison i thought of maybe Sammy Watkins whose only real success he's had like really like where he could look sort of dominant was in Kansas City but i did mike i did apologize i backtracked on my comments yep. and i love when buffalo fans watch me for the 
first time and don't realize that I slobber all over Josh McD- like Josh Allen, I mean, on a like a weekly basis, and they think, oh, you're just a Patriots fan hating on Josh Allen. Like I was just the point didn't come across. But let's look at Stephon Diggs. He was graded the fifth highest wide receiver last year behind Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and AJ Brown. So he'd be fifth in in the PFF rankings. I mean, that's a that's an elite group of people to to be with. However, I'm going to I'll give I'll save my opinion to the end if that's okay because I I have him leapfrogging some of those guys who are ahead of him. Mario, as the Bills fan, I'll start with you. Where do you rank? I know we've talked about this in the past, but I just it, this is, you know, coming up. Like where do you you see these five guys? Do you think it's fair have him ranked at number five, or do you think that he leapfrogs some of those other guys? Well, I think the biggest thing that you want to talk about is you, you got to talk about the surround, the things that aren't really calculated in the PFF. You know, the things who's who's he surrounded by, who's the quarterback, what do they do on a, on a play-to-play basis? Like, I'll get, I'll even give you something in your wheelhouse, Ray. If you have a defensive tackle on your team that just consistently eats two bodies, so the middle linebacker, the defensive end, anyone else. You don't have to blitz, so your defense is really, you know, it's doing a lot of things for you. But he doesn't have tackles, he doesn't have pressures, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the statistics to back it up. You know, is that is that more of a valuable piece than just like you know any other position that you have on the field? What Stefan Diggs does is he's the number one de facto guy in there. Okay, Cooper Cup had an amazing season last year. He did. He really did. He and then Matt Stafford should be given more credit because he's the quarterback over the top two wide receiving uh, uh, seasons of all time, him and Megatron. Cup and Megatron have the best seasons of all time. Then you look at Adams, who was with – he was with Rodgers forever. I mean, that's basically what it was. And the time will tell to see if it was Adams or Rodgers, you know, in Green Bay. And then you had Jefferson, who had Adam Thielen across from him. You know I mean? They had, they had a couple weapons there, and they had a solid running game with Cook. So I, who are the other two wide receivers that you were talking about that were on that list? Uh, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, and A.J. Brown. AJ, former yeah, former AJ Titan, Brown. now Eagle. Which is, that's a whole story in and of itself. But A.J. Brown, it was like, could those guys elevate and open up things for everybody else around, around the team? You know, well, no, Adams took a majority of those, of those uh, targets. Cup took a majority of those targets. Now, you start to see the evolution of Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis. Um, I mean, Beasley was there. He's not there anymore. I mean, you're going to have Jay uh, Crowder in that role now, but he was able to take coverage and things away from other guys on that team, and those other guys, you know, were able to step up. So I think that to me is more valuable. And those are some of those things that aren't in the stats. But you you named four heavyweights in there. You know, Diggs being fifth on that list, it doesn't offend me as a Bills fan or Bills content creator because I know the capability and the things that those other four have. But I also know that there are factors in the game that aren't calculated in the PFF numbers. So, Mike, I'll go to you because actually, can I ask Mario a follow up question? Then we'll get yeah, back absolutely. To yep. Am I off base because I've lived by this since the signing? Am I off base to say Jamison Crowder is an upgrade over Cole Beasley? I don't think you are. Because I love James Crowder, and I think he could be like a solid number two on any team in the NFL. It's only because he's in Buffalo that he'll be like the slot number three guy. Well, you, know you got to I mean? remember the you know, offenses are are changing a lot now. I mean, you know, those, some of those slot guys are sometimes the first option. 
You know, what do you think Tyreek Hill when he was in Kansas City was more explosive out of the as an outside receiver or in the slot? No, he was more explosive out of the slot. That's exactly. where he got open. So, so that's that's where I mean, so that so then you're starting to see such a put. You, you know how you could tell that is because you see such a push for all these slot corners to come into the league. You know, can you can you cover the slot receiver because that is the most dangerous position on the field now? So I'm not off base to say no, that. No, no, no. I, I thought it was an upgrade, but some mm-hmm. Bills fans have argued with me that it wasn't. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. Buffalo Bills fans, as you know, Ray, will get very sentimental about the players that make an impact in not only the team but the community and, and chose to be did. there. Right, yes. Cole Beasley. Yes. Let's not forget, chose to sign with the Buffalo Bills over the New England Patriots. Right, like the Patriots were going after Cole Beasley, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he elected to go. To the Bills. And that's what I think made a lot of Patriot fans at first just hate him. Like, you cho- <laughs> you chose to go there than play with Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, that was – yeah. you chose that kid over Brady. <laughs> uh, but let's go back to Stephon Diggs. Mike, so I gave you that top five list, our top five grades, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, and then Stephon Diggs at number five. Where do you – is Diggs in your top five? Do you see other wide receivers ahead of him? Do you see him ahead of some of these guys on, on this list? So I'll give him some stuff here. You know, we've talked about Cooper Cup's outlying season. We'll have to see what happens, uh, you know, this year with that. If he, him and Matt Stafford can have a repeat. As you know, I have a love affair with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think he's one of the best receivers in the league, period. He was, uh, you know, hurt most of last year with some soft tissue stuff. So we'll see what happens there. Now he's a cheetah. And uh, I'm, it's tough. So the Devontae Adams thing, again, we'll see what happens. Justin Jefferson, to me, if he maybe has any other quarterback, and I'm not, this is not a dig at Kirk Cousins or if he's on any other team, I think he would just completely destroy stats. I, I, I honestly do. So I, I'd put, I'm going to put Diggs at, at number one. Um, and I'm just because his situation is the most stable and he's proven the most and I'll say Justin Jefferson number two. Um, but I think there's a lot of what ifs there and obviously Cooper cup would be really to me, uh, two, two a and two B there. But, uh, so, yep. so this, this may shock you, but I'm actually going to agree with Mario, uh, in mm-hmm. one, one thing that he said. And I, I focus on what happens when the ball's not in Diggs' hands. And mm-hmm. I just happened this weekend to be watching the Do Your Job video from Super Bowl 53. Uh, and it was, you know, or sorry, Super Bowl 51, the comeback against Atlanta. So it was all the Patriots coaches breaking down the game. And there was a play that happened, it was a run play, and, and they were showing everything that happened. And all the coaches kept talking about was Edelman. Edelman was the key on that play. And how he came in and kind of took out the the edge, and the, you know, and and Belichick was like, you know, it's it's one of those plays that won't come up on the the stats. However, if Edelman doesn't execute that, it, that play's dead in the water, you know. And that play was all on Julian Edelman. So that's why I I raised Diggs so high because I do believe that Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox are elevated because of Stephon Diggs. That's why my list goes Devonte Adams. I have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I do. Like I have to give him the benefit of the doubt until because if it doesn't happen this year, unless it's clearly not his fault, 
Like, unless it's clearly just Derek Carr can't beat double coverage, which Aaron Rodgers could, right? But I got Devontae Adams. I do have I, – I have A.J. Brown at number two. And I'm going to tell you why. That dude did that what he did the last two years with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. That's fair. Imagine if if A.J. Brown had Josh Allen thrown on the football. And then I have Diggs coming in at number three. I really do. And not just because mm-hmm. of the situation. I think Dig, Diggs had success in Minnesota. Diggs is having sex, success. He's probably having sex too, but he's having oh. success in, in, in Buffalo. And I think you could put him on any team with any quarterback and he'd have success. Uh, I just think I, I'm interested to see what A.J. Brown's going to do this year because I, I, I'm, I'm a believer in Jalen Hurts, believe it or not. Like I have been since he's been drafted. Um, yeah. I'm a believer in Jalen Hurts. I think that he's massively underrated, and I think that him and A.J. Brown are going are gonna to have some fun this year. And that Philly team is quietly stacked. It really yeah. is. When you look at the talent they have from top to bottom. Uh, Mario, I'll give you last word on anything that Mike or I said uh, before we move on to the next subject. Well, it, I think it, – it, you, if you look at the those offenses, and I, just to your point, where you're talking about AJ Brown did that with Ryan Tannehill, I understand that that's also a run first team. That's also a, a, Vrabel is kicking it old school over there. You know what I mean? He's he's he definitely has an old school team there. So I don't know if it's so much that you can't blame it, but I think what he has over the other teams is that because of that run first mentality and that and that that's what most teams try to stop. Um, it opens up more opportunities for himself. So while we're talking about Diggs opening up opportunities, Adams opening up opportunities, Jefferson and so on, Derrick Henry was opening up opportunities for Brown in that respect. So I think we just yep. need to keep an eye on that. That's all. That's a fair that's – a, that's a very fair point. Um, next week I'm going to schedule in some draft stuff because we actually never – I remembered I had to cancel last week. We never got to talk about the Bills draft. So next week uh, I will schedule in a Bills draft talk. But we need to move on to our last subject here. Uh, my buddy, my best friend, Mario's favorite quarterback, Tom Brady's being hypocritical again. Mm. And Mikey, I got to call him out on this because as Patriot fans, this was the beginning of the cause of debate in New England, Belichick versus Brady. And it came down to this fact. I'm going to read you guys two tweets, one from uh, Rick Strout and one from Ben Volen. Okay. Rick Stroud says, Bucks say quarterback Tom Brady joined his team for phase two of the offseason workout program based on these picks posted on the club website. But Brady has been outspoken about vets staying away in the offseason. Remembering right now, it is still voluntary OTAs. Ben Valen followed up with, in three months, Brady went from, I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore to participating <laughs> in voluntary off-season workouts. Now, as we know, Tom Brady, his last few years, stopped attending the voluntary OTAs in New England, and that was really the first spark of the Brady versus Belichick debate. Uh, Brady has been outspoken from a union perspective against veterans, of the NFL staying, you know, telling them to stay away. We've made the conversation that we've had the conversation, but we're going to have it again because now he's there. You know, he's talked about not signing contracts. He signed, talked about not showing up to OTAs. And I always say, that's fine when you're Tom Brady and all you have to do is walk in the building and the job is yours. There's guys like Nelson Aguilar who are established veterans who are trying to 
a establish themselves a place on this team and b keeping themselves off the trade block because of his salary so no he's gonna go in and he's gonna put in his work johnny smith knows that he was grossly overpaid for the performance that he put out last season so he's gonna show up and put in that kind of work because the scrutiny in boston is crazy tom brady's at the point of his career from a media perspective not a fan perspective because tom brady could go 100 passes in a row and 100 completions and he would still be criticized but from a media perspective tom brady could come out and throw 12 interceptions in the first three games of the season and there's still gonna be media gushing all over him calling him the goat unless maybe you're in western new york so here he is again being hypocritical hypocritical to the the veterans and the rookies and the players that he has chastised for the last three years um showing up to otas when he says veterans shouldn't be there the guy tried to retire so he could go play for the Miami Dolphins and buy into that and do all that kind of fun stuff. Um, Mike, you've had very strong opinions about uh, <laughs> Thomas Edward, whatever, Patrick Brady over the last uh, few weeks. Mario loves him and always has a nice glowing opinion of him. So I thought you two are the perfect guys to talk about Mr. Hypocrite. And I'm actually trying to decide who's going to go off more to who I give the last word to. But I'm going to give Mario the last word on this. And, Mike, I'm going to go to you. Yeah, I'm going to keep this uh, straightforward and simple. It, it has been really interesting, you know, the time that Tom Brady's spent in Tampa, how he's kind of all of a sudden put in this extra effort, but at the same time he's telling other veterans, don't bother participating, right? This is the guy who is – going out of his way during COVID to organize, you know, stuff for him and his receivers. So not only is it hypocritical to me, it's very underhanded because you're saying to guys, you don't have to work. Don't worry about it. Basically saying in a backhanded way, yes, give me that advantage. Don't prepare. I will. I'm going to take my guys and I'm going to prepare. Don't worry. Sit on your ass. I'll go win another Super Bowl. It's really strange. It doesn't make sense to me. It's very hypocritical. Hey, he can do what he wants. This is America. But yeah, an- an- another way that Tom Brady's just showing us some double talk and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yes, lots of talking out of both sides of his mouth since becoming a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Mario, you're always, um, I know you're pretty you're pretty humble and quiet when it comes to Tom Brady, but I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you the, the word on this. I, uh, it's well documented on this show what I think about uh, Tom Brady, but oh God, did he, re- did he really force Arians out now? Is, is this really <laughs> one of these things we're talking about now? Do you, do you start to see the picture being painted y'all about Tom Brady in Tampa and Arians going, did he really force him out? Or was Arians like, nah, I'm 60 something years old. I don't feel like dealing with that anymore. You know what? If I can interrupt you for one second, just for the people who maybe didn't listen or watch that episode, we were having the discussion about Tom Brady forcing Bruce Arians out of Tampa Bay. And Mario took a different approach to it and believes that Bruce Arians didn't want to deal with Tom Brady and said, all right, he's back. I'm gone. Cause he had nothing else to do. I mean, anything short of another Super Bowl, it would have been put on Arians because Brady's won so many of them. It's got to be him, right? You know, so uh, he really didn't have anything to win. And I think there was, I really think there was a clause in his contract. I'm side note, I think there was a clause in his contract that when he went to Tampa, he said, listen, when I'm done here, um, uh, I want you to give it to Bowles. You know, when I'm, I have that in my contract, please, because Bowles deserves to be a head coach. Um, 
for I know he had a raw deal in, in New York, but I really think he should have been a head coach a lot sooner. Anyway, it's just funny. Every time we come on the show and then we talk about Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, it's like talking about the Earnshaws and the Lintons all the time. You know, I feel like I'm in <laughs> Weathering Heights. I really do. But that all being said, a lot of his personality came out when he went to Tampa. And a lot of those that you started to see like the business approach of the New England Patriots where you're not going to say too much to me. You're not going to give too much. And all this stuff. Now he feels like that he went to Tampa. He could talk. He could say what he wants. He's a little more loose. And this is a manifestation of that. You got to take the good with the bad here. If you're, if you're Tampa, you're like, Hey, you know, you know, we, we all the fun stuff that he sa- says and he wins games, he does all this stuff. You're going to take it that when he's going to be outspoken against you as well. So this is, this is kind of what you, you paid for. If you're Tampa, like I'm, I've always said, and I've and you guys know this, Tom Brady on the field, one of the smartest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Do I think he's the greatest to ever play the position? No, because you have to then factor in that wins are a quarterback stat. I don't feel that they are. That's a discussion for another day. But what I'm saying is, Tampa, if you're going to take all the good stuff that Tom Brady does with his personality and all this other stuff, this is the other side of it that you got to also take into account. We'll we'll hash out the. Is Brady the goat another day? Um, I do believe Brady's the goat, but here's what I'm going to say: just because he's the goat doesn't mean he's a good dude. And oh, Patriots yeah. fans, Tampa fans, and then just Tom Brady fans, because there are guys out there who are just Tom Brady fans, and they'll follow him wherever he goes. No, they're admitted. I'm not even taking that as a shot. Oh, no, they're admitted. Ray, I, I just wanted they're, to say real quick: Did you watch the last dance? Some of the best players in history are never good guys. No, no, they're not. No, it's true. No. But when it comes to Tom Brady, because when he was with the Patriots, he tried to, even in his his last documentary there, The Man in the Arena, in the Tom versus yeah. Time documentary, he tries to present himself like the good golly gosh, leave it to Beaver, you know, bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, Tom Brady's not, a good dude you know like he left his pregnant girlfriend for giselle right like he's there's a history of him being an asshole in life you know like the fact that he like boxes out wide receivers and gets them like just no role in the team to the fact and basically force bill belichick's hand when you look at your coach and go don't bother putting him out there i'm not going to throw him the football (laughs) you're you've just ended a guy's career he yeah. destroyed Josh Boyce. We've been he over did. this. We we it almost ruined Connor and my friendship because <laughs> we had that just forty five minute screaming match about how Tom. You know he did though. Tom Brady, and I'm not even saying Josh Boyce would have been a good receiver, but he didn't even get a chance. And basically, he came out and said Tom Brady's the reason that I never got a fair shot in the NFL because Tom Brady he wasn't a part of the inner circle, and Tom Brady boxed him out immediately. So, th- again, doesn't mean that Josh Boyce was going to be anything special and it's all Tom Brady's fault. His career didn't, you know, fight for it then, do what Edelman did, move to California, whatever. But, again, you can be a great player. The The last dance is the perfect example. You can be a great player and not be a good human being. And I think he's the GOAT, but I don't think he's a good dude. Mar doesn't think he's the GOAT and doesn't think he's a good dude. We'll hash out the GOAT stuff on another day. Mario, let me ask you, what's going on at Hashtag Sports right now? 
Hashtag sports. We are, uh, you're lucky, Ray. We are back in the car Saturday, my friend. And uh, we're going to start releasing an episode. We are, we, we have three different seasons of hashtag. As you know, we have the in season where we cover everything throughout the season. Then we have the point leading up to the draft and then the draft leading up to the season again. So this is the point where the draft, we lead up to the season. We have our Friday night lights. As, as you can see, um, uh, every Friday we have it at, uh, I think it's around seven or eight o'clock, but Paul and I will then will now be back in the car Saturday, filming some episodes for y'all talking about the schedule that'll be released tomorrow. Um, so uh, new England Patriots schedule, a lot of, a lot of stuff has been leaked already about Sunday night games, Monday night games as well. So, uh, that's what we got over on hashtag. And Paul decided to break Twitter the other day, talking about Kyler Murray versus, uh, Josh Allen. So make sure you go give that up. Uh, check that out at hashtag 2.0 on Twitter. So make sure you guys check that out. Anybody who watches this show knows that Mike and I, we, we don't have a whole lot of respect for Kyler Murray. Oh, God. No. I assume you guys don't either, or do you? You know what? Paul does a lot of research for the draft. I'll just say this really quick. And the amount of times where he was in interviews just being a smug, cocky son of a you-know-what, he just – doesn't come off as like someone that you think could lead a team and that people respect. I mean, you're threatening to hold out after three years and you want $70 million a year. Excuse me. Do you know that that's why I've never understood why people don't like Lamar Jackson? I don't understand it either. He's the most, like, he's like one of the coolest dudes in the world. Like forget football. Like he's a humble guy. Like he's, he takes accountability. Like he's, He's like just a solid, solid human being. That's why I'm like I never understand. I get there's a I get there's a rivalry between Buffalo and Ball. Like there's that Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson yeah, fan yeah. rivalry. So I get that piece. But like everybody else, like what is your? And I bet you even you and Buffalo can oh, still have God. that respect level for him. Ray, let me let me just tell you. I, well, first of all, I, I love Lamar Jackson, the player. I think he's he's brought a dynamic to the quarterback position that we haven't seen since like a Michael Vick or you know Steve Young, even back in when the eighties. Because you, know, you guys remember, Steve Young was rare for his time to be that running of a quarterback. Um, but I did a video purely comparing the first twenty starts versus the last twenty starts of Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. And can I tell you, you know, when you poke the bear for the Bills fans every once in a while when you do that, I did not know. That the Ravens fans were so protective. Oh yeah. Of of it was it was a purely statistical breakdown. Yeah. I wasn't talking about the person. I wasn't talking about this. I wasn't talking about that. I was saying, and I just broke it down. I was like, here's what here's what progression looks like, and it was more of a shot at Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator for the Ravens, rather than like a Brian Dable developing Josh Allen, who was this square peg in a round hole with the EP system. See, I kept my street alive. So that's what I was trying to do. And I had Ravens fans come at me and just like assault me the whole time. I was like, I'm just comparing stats, guys. Just all I'm doing. It's all I'm doing, guys. It's okay. No, no. I, I and and but you know what? I'm gonna make this comparison because you've talked about like because I've come out and said like when I wrote my Josh Allen fantasy article, right? When mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I think he's going to take a step back this year. They're going to actually be able to run the football in yeah. fantasy, not in life or not on the field in fantasy football. And Bills fans, just our heads exploded, right? Like, <laughs> you're all, you're just a power. I'm like, read the article, boys. You put it's, it in the title. It says fantasy, fantasy 101. <laughs> fantasy football 101. Like, relax, guys. But 
I kind of get it from Ravens fans too. Like, what do they hear? Oh, he's a glory. Oh, you got a glorified running back. You know, Lamar Jackson's a glorified running back. He's not even a quarterback. So I think they get a little because people hate on Lamar Jackson. And I just, I just, I don't know. I don't understand it. It's, it's just, I don't get it. But ladies and gentlemen, that time has come to an end. Are we shortening it up? Yes. Why? Because I got a shit ton of work I got to do. Uh, and I appreciate Mario who puts time out of his life every Wednesday to come show with us. Uh, we do, for our Patreon crew, have the Friday Night Hangout. I apologize to the Patreon crew for not giving the opportunities for comments and questions tonight. I promise we'll do it tomorrow and we'll make it up on Friday. As always, we invite everybody. If they can make it, they can make it. If they can't, they can't. That includes that man on the bottom that you can go find over on YouTube, hashtag sports. Follow them on Twitter at hashtag 2.0 and Instagram at hashtag sports. Correct? Yes. Yes. Awesome. That's my man over there. Producer Mike. Find him on Twitter at producer underscore Mike and ladies and gentlemen the Dear Pat Station podcast is brought to you by RayRoute.com and the Dean Blundell Network and DeanBlundell.com we are broadcasting live on the Dear Pat Station YouTube page and the Dean Blundell Network hey guys head on over to the merch store get this gear and a whole lot more producer Mike just made his big order go check out hashtag stuff too I swear to God, I have it on the docket to put their stuff up next on the website. So it should be up there in the next day or two. It's been a lot slower than I wanted to go. My stuff is went a lot slower than I, I thought it was going to take. But uh, you can also uh, check out their... I'll put the link in this video in this description after with their merch store. So if you want to drop it in the uh, private chat, Mario, or in the, even drop it in the comments. Drop it right in the comments and the private chat, and I will put the merch store link uh, in the description and uh yeah thanks so much everybody for tuning in and we will see you i almost didn't do the tagline never forget you're all legit kid Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. 
Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.